You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Today we get to continue, did Jesus really say that? And this is the fourth part of the series uh, in this lineup, and it's, it's very exciting because Jesus said some pretty difficult things in Scripture. Would you agree? Sometimes it's hard to accept those things. You know, Jesus didn't really cater to a particular crowd or group of individuals. He always spoke truth. And that's exactly what we're um, called to do as well. But sometimes the truth was hard to handle. Would you agree? A lot of people went away, and we'll see today in this story that the man went away sorrowful after Jesus spoke directly to his, his issue. So there's challenges in his uh, words. There sometimes, sometimes could be offensive uh, when he said them. But we're going to look at a passage today uh, where Jesus speaks of the challenges of riches and how the abundance of the possession caused a man to forfeit his eternal life. Now let me t- take a quick survey this morning. If someone was at the door and they said, I'm handing out $100 bills today, I'm handing out checks for a million dollars, how many people, Bernie, uh, how many people would want some of that? Not a trick question. I'll take it, right? you giving it, I'm receiving it. You know what I'm saying? But Out of the gate, this is a huge challenge because people like to have more. We like to have more in our society. We like to have more in our homes. We like to have bigger cars, bigger houses, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type thing. And that's not really the, the focus today. But the American dream is to gather all kinds of stuff that you become self-sufficient, self-reliant, if you will. You don't have to depend on anybody else but you. Um, and in fact, I would say that men and women are taught this coming up in schools today that you are to be independent and self-sufficient. You can provide for yourself. You don't need anybody else. You can do it if you can get enough stuff. But our Western culture has fed that desire for greed and more. And the bottom line comes down to this. We all want more than we need and than we presently have. Because it's the pursuit of more in our lives that can create problems with our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, in many of the passages of Jesus, he actually says that less is more. The first will be what? Last. And the last will be first and and so forth. So money is not evil because I want to say that as clearly as I can. If you have a lot of money, that's not evil. In fact... Deuteronomy 8:18 says this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. So wealth is not a bad thing. Things are not a bad thing. Possessions are not a bad thing. It's when it takes place in priority over Jesus Christ that it becomes an issue. Amen. So if God gives us the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant, then the wealth itself cannot be bad. The challenge becomes when we respond to wealth in such a way that it takes over our entire lives. Look, I know people who have spent most of their living life uh, trying to achieve a million-dollar portfolio. They've raced after it. You know, they've, they've worked, you know, 80 hours a week to try to get there. And there's honestly nothing wrong with that if you want to make a million dollars. But the issue here, 
however you would define being rich, it can do a couple things. The first thing it can do in people's lives is this. It can feed greed. Um, if you're pursuing more, it can feed greed. It also can generate wrong pursuits. Um, it can generate wrong motives. And then thirdly, it can blind us to our real need, which is our need for the Savior. And what I have found in my life is in times that I'm lacking, in times that I'm low, I tend to look up a lot more. I tend to ask Jesus for help a lot more. Does anybody relate to that? In times that I have plenty, it's kind of like, okay, God, thanks for the blessing. I'm good for now. But it's when that rubber hits the road type thing, when we have a lack, we look up. And that's why Jesus said more about money than any other subject in all the Bible. He knew we were going to be challenged with it to keep a right perspective. And so today, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, if you've got them with you, and if not, the verses will be on the screen. But Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read 18 through 30 today. But rich can be a moving target. So no matter how much we have, how much money we have, or how much we make, we're probably never going to consider ourselves rich, most of us. And again, it's not a sin to have much wealth, but it is a danger, and we have to take that into consideration. It's a great responsibility. So look to Luke chapter 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And I'd say the key verse in that is this, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's a good takeaway from that passage of Scripture. How many would agree that the rich young ruler in this story was loaded, but he was lacking? He was loaded, but he was lacking something very important he was ruled by his riches. He was taken control by them. Most theologians uh, estimate that this man was a rich young ruler. He was a Pharisee because of the way he acted and some of the things recorded in Scripture. He was a powerful person. He was a wealthy person. Uh, so not only was he ruled by his riches, but he was also blinded to the needs of others. Uh, you could say he was stingy or maybe he was hoarding because he didn't see the value in giving to the poor and the oppressed like Jesus instructed him to do. He was living for the temporary 
and he sacrificed the eternal. Jesus is saying you want to give up these riches to get eternal life, and he just couldn't do it. So Jesus here is confronting the deception of riches. He's also confronting the condition of the human heart. Because here's the bottom line. Either Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. In your life, he's Lord over everything, or he's Lord over nothing. And so today, we have a few points to talk about the deception of riches. And the first point that you would uh, see today in your notes, or either on the Grace app, if you have that downloaded on your iPhone or Android device, would be that wrenches give a false sense of security and can blind us to our spiritual need. Riches give a false sense of security and can blind us to our spiritual need. How many know, again, when we have plenty, sometimes we can be blinded to things around us that need help? We can, we can be blinded for others around us who may be suffering. In verse 22, it said, When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, the rich young ruler thought he had everything. He thought he had it all. He had it made. He called Jesus a good teacher. He even knew who Jesus was. He called him a good teacher, not just any teacher, a good teacher. He asked about which commandments he needed to follow. He said, I'm already doing all these things. I've already made my list, and I've checked it off. I'm doing the proper things. I'm following the commandments. I'm a good rule follower. But Jesus says you're missing the heart of the issue, and the heart of the issue is this. There's a difference between knowing about God, knowing that Jesus is a good teacher, and knowing the teacher. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. You see, the ruler had been blinded by his wealth, his status, and his own abilities. And I think that's one of the main reasons why Americans today feel like they don't really need Jesus or religion at all. We're self-sufficient. We can do it ourselves. We don't need God, right? That's the attitude, is that we have our 401k. We can invest. We can work hard. We've made our retirement. We can be successful, have a family. Why would I need a set of rules and a religion to follow? And Jesus said, you're really missing the point. It's not about rules. It's not about a religion to follow. It's about having a relationship with the good teacher. It's about putting your riches behind you and saying that Jesus is most important. Even some of the poorest people in America are way more wealthy than those around the world. In fact, there are several videos, and uh, if you know what a meme is, Several memes uh, floating around and videos that, that describe this, and I like to label these, and I always think they're hilarious, as first world problems. You ever heard of these? First world problems go like this. Uh, there's so many commercials I have to sit here and watch through on TV. Oh, my coffee order is wrong. You had one job. I needed a double non-fat mocha latte with extra cream on the side and sugar. You had one job. My office doesn't have any bottled water. I guess I'll have to walk across the street to the gas station to get some. That's one of my favorites. I can't find an outlet to charge my phone. This phone that's worth more than 95% of the world's average income for the year. The DVR didn't record my favorite game or favorite show. It's terrible. These are, these are some of those first word problem things that are really just funny to read because we complain about so many things, yet we're so blessed, right? 
We have so many things to be thankful for with health and, and, and food and all these things, water, clean water that we have to drink. You get the picture, but more than a third of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. And we're complaining about channels on TV and drink orders wrong and iPhone being not charged and water being inaccessible, right? Sometimes it puts it in perspective that we can be blinded by our riches. And even though it might not be a million dollars, we're still very wealthy. Would you agree with that? Luke chapter 16 said this, The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable to God. What is highly valued among men is detestable to God. You see, it was money that prohibited the Pharisees from seeing the Messiah. It prevented them from seeing their need for a Savior. And if we're not careful in today's culture and society, we can do the exact same thing. Our riches, our wealth, our prosperity can blind us um, to the Savior. It can give us a false sense of security. So number one is that false sense of security. And number two is greed and the pursuit of riches will lead to idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. Big word, right? Let me go ahead and break this word down. Uh, idolatry is basically the worship of an idol in the Old Testament. And then the dictionary today present would say this, that it's anything we revere or worship or adore. And so I'd say today in, in verse 23, it says this, When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And, and in the King James translation, it says he went away sorrowful. And that to me says more than just he became sad. I think of someone going away sorrowful as hanging their head low, walking away very dis discouraged and disheartened because he had a choice to make whether he was going to worship God or worship money. He liked his riches. He liked his position. He liked his life, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would challenge you, enjoy your life. God has blessed you with so much, especially in light of a funeral. It makes you put into perspective the fact that we're not all promised tomorrow. The fact that God has blessed us, we're wealthy because God has blessed us. But basically, anything we place over Jesus as a priority is considered to be an idol. Anything in our life that we put over Jesus Christ, it can be an idol. How many know that TV can become an idol? How many know that this right here can become an idol? Anything we have that we place over our priority. Now, these are great tools, right? TV is a good tool. You can watch some great preachers knock some people out on TV. Uh, you can, <laughs> I'm just messing. You can watch some, some great things on your phone. You can read your Bible on your phone. You can download the Grace app again and take sermon notes on your phone and listen to our messages over the week. There's some really great things that we can do with the things that we have been blessed with. But any time we place something over Jesus as a priority, it's considered an idol. And that's hard for us to, um, to accept. Colossians 3 says this, Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. It says, it goes on to say this, 
uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So any of those things in our life that belong to our earthly nature can lead us to idolatry and the worship of something higher than God. I love the verse in Matthew 6 that says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will love one or hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then it says you cannot serve both God and and money, and you have to decide in your own life what you're going to serve, who you're going to serve. Uh, is it going to be a list of rules? Is it going to be Jesus and the gospel of Christ? Is it going to be money, work, possessions, you know, statuses, job titles? You can get wrapped up in a lot of different areas if you're not careful. Would you agree? A lot of different things can take the position and the place of Jesus Christ, and so we have to be careful. That greed in the pursuit of riches doesn't take over our lives. And the third and final point today is this. The pursuit of riches can cause us to be consumed with the present and sacrifice the eternal. In this story, the rich young ruler was so concerned with his position. He was concerned with his riches. He was concerned with all these things. But he missed the eternal portion. He missed what Jesus was saying. Again, in verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. In the story, he had to sell everything he had in order to attain eternal life. But that wasn't going to literally get him in heaven. But Jesus is addressing a heart issue that even applies to us today. Everybody say today. Jesus is speaking over 2,000 years ago and it still rings true today that our lives can have a position of wealth and we can have riches and all those things are fine unless they take importance of Jesus. We can't be consumed with the present and sacrifice the eternal. In fact, Matthew tra chapter 6 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, on this earth we have a choice. We can live for the present. We can live for the future. And in, in my life, I've made it a goal to try as best as I can to keep a view and a perspective of eternity. Kristen, if you'll come. But as followers of Christ, you'll see in your notes that there's the last three little things. I think they're in your notes. They're at least on the screen. But as followers of Christ, there are three things that we're called to do today in, in wrapping this up. The first thing is this. We're to seek the blesser, not the blessing. It's easy to get distracted and put something over the Savior. And put something over God who gave us provision. When we really should be worshiping the God who gave it to us. And that's one of the hard things. We're also called to lordship, not hordeship. We're called to submit ourselves and our lives to Jesus and not just hold everything in for ourselves. In fact, we're supposed to give to the poor and the widow and, and help the orphan and all those things that Jesus commanded us to do in his scripture. That's why we're so blessed. If you take your life as it is right now and you twist your perspective a little bit, if you will, and look at your life as not to bless yourself and to bless your family, to bless others. It changes your perspective. 
If you're ever down here at Walmart, you know there's a lot of people down there who like to stand around and, and ask for money. But you know what? Uh, I have a friend who has started an initiative, and it's called Cardio Blessings, and, and I've told you about it before. Basically, he goes into big cities and takes book, pack, book bags of full of clothes and full of peanut butter and, and food and all kinds of things and goes around to these homeless people. And his goal is to get every homeless person off the street. And that's a pretty big goal, but he's got a million dollars that he's working to raise to help in Raleigh and Eastern North Carolina get homeless people off the street. Now, this guy is ex-military. He's a bodybuilder. He's got, you know, some great, he's won several awards with bodybuilding. You know, he's got the riches part. But he's given like everything that he has and everything his family has into this project. What if we were created not just for us to create riches, but we were created so that we could distribute that to others because that's that's what God has intended for us. And I don't mean distribute like distribute like Bernie Sanders distribute. I mean distribute like God has called us to give to the poor and the needy and those that need it. And I can tell you one thing. We wouldn't need government programs if the church did their job. So look at what you have and look what God has called you to use, what God has called you to give. Don't let your riches become an idol. And then the third point is this. We are to use money, not worship money. How many know it takes money to survive, right? We have to survive. We've got to have a place to live and food and on our table and all these kinds of things. It takes money, but we don't have to worship the money. In fact, I like that point. We've got to seek the blesser, not the blessing. The blessing's great, but look at who gave it to you. I wouldn't be where I am without the Lord. I wouldn't have the clothes I have without the Lord. I've been without a job for two years. I know what that's like. But I didn't ever go without. Obviously, you can see that. I didn't ever go without because God took care of us. And he'll take care of you the same way. And so we're to worship the blessing, not the blessing. If you'll stand today, I'll close with this. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him Jesus calling us to have a relationship with him he wants us to focus on the cross spreading the gospel and helping those around us who are in need and that's what we're called to do so if you'll bow your head and close your eyes today I'm just going to ask the question what is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today the Holy Spirit speaking to you today because as we talked about riches can give us a false sense of security it can blind us to our spiritual need it can lead us to idolatry it can also be lead us to be consumed with the present and not focus on the eternal so today as we close I want to just focus on seeking Jesus today seeking the blesser who gives us all the blessings. And maybe today you've never heard about the gospel of Jesus. You've never heard how great of a a relationship you can have with Him. And I would just invite you today to seek Jesus, to find out more about Jesus. Because He is our Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe with our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved.
today I challenge you, if you need to pray that and read that scripture over your life and accept Jesus, we'll be glad to pray with you. Our prayer team and elders are going to come forward at this time and going to be here at the front if you have a need in your life that you need prayer over. Or if you need salvation, we certainly want to give you and extend the opportunity for you to discover more about Christ Jesus today. So, Father, thank you so much for this word that has come straight from Luke 18, God, your gospel. It's told us a story about the rich young ruler and how he sacrificed the, the, the eternal, but God, for just a little bit of present. So help us not to do that in our lives, God. Help us to focus on you, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us to ask the question, does this person standing on the side of the road need Jesus? Is there something I can help them with? God, have you placed me in this position at this time to help this person? And that could be in our co-workers, God, and people we meet at the store, wherever we are. Help us to always be mission-minded. And God, today, help us to not worship anything more than you. Show us in our hearts if there's anything that we need to remove from our life. In Jesus' name today, we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.